Welcome everybody to uh, this week's installment of our Cornerstone Ministry. For those of you who may be new, Cornerstone is an extension of the Ministry of the Word and Prayer that we start on Sunday mornings with Sunday service, and then we continue into Sunday afternoons just to really set apart Sundays as a day that's just filled with His Word and His people. And today we're going to be launching our Marriage and Family series which will also serve as a premarital curriculum for those who want to get married at LBCSJ. Um, but like we do, we're really looking for all the opportunities and all the chances that we get to interact with each other as well. I know that uh, it may be a little bit more difficult given the current situation to have that time uh, with each other. So we try to um, have a portion of these cornerstone meetings just devoted to sharing and prayer as well. So, I'd like to just ask a few of you to share one thing that um, you're thankful for, that we can praise the Lord for and with you, and also one prayer request uh, that you have as well. So um, I'm going to be choosing amongst the people who joined um, just a little early. So uh, Monique, I see you on my screen here. So I'm going to call on you to share one praise and one prayer request. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Um, yeah. Um, one thing I'm just so thankful for in the last, even um, every single week for like the last few months is just the opportunity to live with um, other sisters um, in South Bay um, and just to um, really share uh, life with them to be closer to um, the church body and uh, to um, study the word together and to pray alongside one another um, and learn how to bear one another's burdens. Even though we uh, still have like a long ways to go in terms of getting to know each other and really learning how to really love and care for one another, just even the chance to um, to do so and learn what it means to yeah have compassion for one another and love one another. I'm so thankful for um, that the chance to exercise that. Um, and then a prayer request is um, this my my family's been a burden on my heart recently. Um, my uh, I moved out from under my parents' roof um, to live with sisters and they're um, unbelievers. And so um, every, every time uh, I visit them, it's um, really, uh, really a, a mission field. Um, and as much as I want to um, change them, um, I've been uh, sharing the gospel with them for uh, the last uh, over 10 years now. And um, it's, uh, I think just the could really appreciate your prayers to um, continue to love them and to endure and um, knowing that it's not me who's going to save them or um, change their hearts, but it's really um, up to the Lord um, in his will and in his timing. Um, and so my calling is just to be faithful and to be a diligent uh, servant um, and to do what he's commanded me to do. Um, which is to, to love them. Um, and so, yeah, would you just uh, keep me in prayer for how I minister to them and um, continue to pray for their salvation? Yeah. Thank you. Great. Thanks for sharing, Monique. Um, Gabriel, I also have you on my screen. So if you wouldn't mind sharing one thing that you are thankful for and uh, one thing that we can be praying for you for. Sure, Kevin. Yes, I can share. I guess for myself, I'll say that one of the praise recently was, um, even though I was hoping I could share this during the icebreaker during Logos to answer like, have you shared the gospel recently? So actually I was able to actually share the gospel very recently to a um, to an acquaintance and longtime friend back in college during my days in Santa Clara University back then. So, so the context is that I haven't talked to him for about 12 years. So, so that, was, that was a really um, huge blessing that he, he wanted to keep in touch with me, with me for all these years as well too. So, so, so I think one of the really interesting questions he asked me was that like, so Gabe, how are you doing? Are you still attending church? Because at that time, me and him were, were non-nominal Christians back in college days as well too. 
So, so when I answer this question, I answer him that like I've been, I, I, I was saved through my conscious at Lighthouse Bible Church. And then I've been, I'm very thankful for the church's role too. Then I asked him back about that. Um, so, 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 um, so, so, so his name is Ronald, by the way. So Ronald, um, so um, would you consider yourself a believer? And he said, he said, oh, I consider a strong believer because uh, I go to church every Sunday. I read the Bible and my dad is a pastor as well. So, so that's the time that like, um, he, he, um, he, but he also mentioned about the fact that like, well, I feel like that I just go to church and leave my way. I don't really have like a church buddy that I go with as well too. So I just go, but then I never really, really understand the meaning of going to church as well too. So that's what he believed as well too. And then when I respond back to him, I said, um, well, well, Ronald, um, so, so let me read you a few Bible verses that can, I can encourage you. So I read um, John 13, 34 and Hebrews 10, 24. So I said, I encourage you to, um, to, um, to, to, to find a church where you can apply those two verses as well. So, so that's the first time that I come as well too. And I was also got also to tell him about like, what does it mean to be a nominal Christian as well too? So as, as, as a result, um, my friend was really surprised that like, wow, Gabe, you're the first person that tell me this. It's not my dad, tell me who's my pastor and anyone from my church as well too. He said, wow, you're the first one that I didn't expect you to say something like this to be after like, like, I don't remember you like that back in college back then. So I'm really surprised that you, you say something like that for me. You really liked me a lot at that time. So he's really surprised by that as well too. So as a result is that like, I'm, I'm praying that like he could find a church where he could play um, John Hebrews at the same time as well too. And I guess a prayer request which is kind of related to like, um, to, um, to the situation is that like, you know, pray that I can continue to be in solid to my friend Ronald as well too. From Hong Kong as well too. I find like I found a I, I used the nine marks and he provided me that website as well too. And I found three churches in Hong Kong as well too. And um, I said I said uh, hopefully you can you know check out one of these churches as well too. But at first he said that he wants to to meditate more on John thirteen thirty four and Hebrews ten. So he wanted to meditate on that. So continue that I can continue to have these um these um, conversations with him about the gospel, just to kind of encourage him the gospel as like, you know, we still need the gospel during this time as well too. And then, and especially he's in Hong Kong as well too. But I think right now, I think Ch China is pretty restricted, but Hong Kong, I think it's not too bad because he's attending a church right now in Hong Kong right now. So that's one of my prayer requests. Praise God. Thank you, Gabe, for sharing that and for encouraging us with that. And we'll absolutely pray for you and pray for, for Ronald as well. Um, Let's see. I see Austin and Gina there. So going to call on you guys. So if you wouldn't mind um, sharing maybe on the behalf of both of you, uh, one praise um, uh, of something the Lord's doing in your life and also one way that we can be praying for you. Um, sure. Yeah. I think that um, maybe something that we can really praise uh, God for, um, during, I guess, even just thinking about, um, just this past few months with, um, the, the hospitals really seeing, um, a big influx of, not just influx, a surge of patients that have come through and how it really can uh, weigh down when you have a lot of, uh, I guess, ICU admissions and things like that. It can really weigh down on the whole hospital, not just the dedicated, uh, COVID ICU units. And so I think we just, um, yeah, praise God for um, sustaining, um, I guess, sustaining Gina as well as just the hospital staffs uh, as a whole uh, through this time. I know it's not to say that, you know, everybody had, you know, a great time or an easy time or even a bearable time, but um, yeah, we just think uh, at least between ourselves just thank god for um sustaining gina uh through these times and um so yeah um i think anything to add to that um i think something that we could um use prayer for is um just our families you know uh thankfully uh, we're very thankful to have um both our families um, local and nearby and we do um, spend time uh, with both of them uh, a good amount. Uh, and so uh, being a salt and light to them is always uh, on our hearts. And, um, you know, they're both respective parents are in kind of different, I guess, uh, circumstances. Uh, but um, 
yeah, we can definitely be considering ways in which we can be uh, more bold to um, proclaim who, who Christ is, uh, both in or in deed. Great. Thank you for sharing. And let's see who's going to be our last. Uh, I see Eric and Sonia. would love to hear from you guys. Um, how the Lord's um, blessing you guys and also how we can pray for you. Hi. Um, yeah, the Lord is blessing us um, by, you know, helping us to seek him um, being newly married. And um, yeah, I think what, what we're learning is um, to uh, make decisions um, unified um, and, you know, not um, individually, you know, anymore. And so, um, you know, whether that means, um, you know, speaking, definitely speaking the truth in love, um, but, you know, expressing, um, you know, our opinions or concerns or desires um, and discovering our expectations, you know, whether they're, um, sinful or, um, or not, um, but, you know, working through that and, and, you know, realizing that, um, we can't do these things, um, not only without, do these things in a way that's, um, pleasing to the Lord, um, not only, um, yeah, we need we need Christ present, but then we also need Him to, you know, be guiding um, us and to be the goal, um, or else we're you know making artificial peace or um, or feeding our own desires and and goals still. Um, and you can be praying for us. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you can be praying for us to um, be making these decisions, um, you know, financially, um, and in any way, according to God's word, and that we would rightly interpret God's word, um, so that we can properly um, be obedient um, to him, um, rather than looking to our own wisdom, or, you know, what we think is right, or, um, you know, especially from how we grew up, or our family context, or our own context. Thank you. Thank you guys for sharing and giving us the opportunity to pray for you. Um, so thanks everybody who uh, shared and I would love to just open up our time just praying for each of you and also for our time in general. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, even just for the joy of being able to come together virtually and to hear from one another, Lord. And we know that there are so many things that you're doing in the lives of each of the members here, Lord. Um, and we will, we love to hear the ways that you're at work, ways that we may not hear in the normal uh, course of things at the moment, but we are grateful nonetheless for all the ways that you are growing each of us and teaching each of us, Lord, and even for the ways that you're challenging each of us, Lord. So we thank you for that. And even for the chance to lift these things up to the only one, um, who can accomplish his own will, Lord. So we thank you that you hear our prayers and we ask, um, for all the requests that were um, named today. Father, for uh, Monique, I just thank you for the opportunity that you've given her to live with other sisters. And we know that that's such a blessing to have that encouragement. And we also know that uh, her own family does not know you. And I just pray that you would give her ample opportunity to share your gospel and to live as an example of your gospel to them so that they may know that you are the Lord of her life and that uh, he extends that forgiveness and he extends that opportunity to for his righteousness to them as well. And I pray that you would reveal yourself to them because we know that um, we, we don't change people's hearts, Lord, but you do and you can accomplish that work. Uh, Father, I just thank you for Gabe and his uh, witness and testimony to his friend, Ronald. I just pray that you would continue to give him opportunities to keep this relationship with Ronald ongoing, but more so that the testimony of Christ would um would remain in Ronald's heart and he would recognize his need for a savior. He, he would recognize that he is sinful Lord and that the only remedy for that is Jesus Christ. And father, um, whatever ways that you can use Gabe to 
um, bring that truth into his life um, and, and expose him to what your word says. I pray that you would continue to do that. Um, I thank you for Austin and Gina and the ways that you've sustained them, particularly over the past few months as it's been difficult with um, you know hospitalizations going up and down and stressing and burdening different parts of um, where Gina works. Um, so we thank you for sustaining them through this time. And we also pray for their families, Lord, um, that your word uh, would be central in each of their families and that you can use Austin and Gina and their marriage as an example of what it is to have a gospel-centered marriage, Lord. And may you use that to really accomplish your work and um, shine your light in the lives of their families as well. And Father, thank you for Eric and Sonia and for blessing them with just the gift of marriage that uh, they've been recently able to enter into, Lord. And I just thank you for the what you're teaching them in terms of making decisions and not just doing so independently and individually. Uh, but Father, I just pray that they would be both attuned to Christ and that um, your desires and what you want and doing your will would be at the forefront of their minds and not just man's wisdom, Lord. And I pray that your wisdom would supersede man's wisdom in the terms of um, their decision-making and how they uh, will proceed um, with their marriage, Lord. So thank you for all the ways that you're already teaching them, and we look forward to the ways that you will continue to do so. So again, thank you for the time that we get to have together and in your word. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. With that, I'll go ahead and hand it off to Pastor Mark, and he'll take us the rest of the way here. Thanks, Kevin. And uh, what a sweet thing to be able to see you all on a Sunday afternoon and um, hear prayer requests and uh, be in a position to just gather pray for unbelieving family members. I, I just want to really encourage you all. Um, I think all of us have unbelievers in our families and in different uh, places that we work. God has put us there. It's easy after they have not been saved for a while just to sort of assume that's the way it's going to be. You know, I have my church family. I have this group over here, but I just want us to really honor the Lord that when we ask in his name, according to his will, he hears us and he answers us. He has his plan. He has his purposes. Um, it's bigger and more important than we are as far as his plan. Sometimes we don't get it right. But as far as the salvation of unbelievers in our lives, it's God's desire that all men really would be saved. And so I just want to um, encourage you all um, just to continue to pray for the unbelievers in our lives. That's a top priority. And, and thank you for sharing that. Um, and uh, I know for Julie and I, it's just been a joy to hear the prayer requests and to just to continue to pray for each one of you as we hear the requests and continue to pray for your family members. Well, um, this is Cornerstone. This great logo is courtesy of the membership team and uh, Jess and Anna put it together for us, but our, our push and our theme and our vision here is that our lives, whether you're married or single, uh, would be built on Christ, and that is where we're going with these Sunday afternoon um, sessions, which are brief, hopefully 30 to 40 minutes of teaching, um, followed by just a brief time of question and answer. We've tried to tailor things down a little bit by uh, virtue of being on Zoom and to prevent Zoom fatigue. If you have questions as they come up, we may have an opportunity, maybe five or 10 minutes at the end to answer your questions. So I'm gonna ask you if you have questions, they come up, use the chat option uh, on the uh, Zoom. And as I see those, I will try and answer them at the end as best we can. Those of you who are signed up for the premarital option, the bonus option, Okay, the bonus reward option, you get to stay from 5 till 5.30 afterwards as I walk you through all the rigorous things we demand of you if you are uh, planning on getting married through the church and uh, if someone at the church like Austin or someone else or Gabriel decides to do your wedding for you, you have to fulfill this criteria. So I just want to make that available to you. Austin, you had the pleasure of having me marry you, so see one, do one, and... Um, so anyways, that option is available to you, I think. So um, one other thing, next week we're going to have off. Uh, Cornerstone is the first three Sundays of the month. And then we take one off, Lord willing, 
and uh, we give everybody who participates a rest. I just want to thank the entire team, Tim Song, uh, JC and others, um, Cindy, all the people who have labored to make this possible on a Sunday afternoon. And um, when we come back March 7th, um, on March 7th, we have uh, a special guest, Lord willing, we'll have Han Cho from Grace Community Church, who's an elder at Grace Community Church and also uh, spoke at our church several years ago. He and I were single forever, I think, at Grace Community Church before the Lord finally and graciously gave us wives and uh, uh, a marriage. So uh, I wanted to interview Han since uh, he was uh, Kurt Gephardt's right-hand man for the singles ministry for many of those years uh, to come in and do a Q&A on redeeming singleness. Uh, so, uh, and I would just encourage the married folks and the families who are involved, I, whether you're single or not, I think you should participate in that because you have an active role as part of our church in the lives of the single uh, folks at our church. And we're going to address a little bit of that today and how the world views singleness and how the church is called to view singleness. But uh, with that, let's get started with Christ and his word, our hope really is to be pleasing to Christ. And our hope is that our church as a whole, whether you're married or single, that we would have our Lord and Savior Jesus understanding and goal and view of marriage and family, not the world's. And that's really where we want to start. So um, we're going to look at Genesis 2, 18 through 25. And uh, Danny, you didn't do praise today. So I'm going to ask you to read that for all of us. Genesis 2, 18 through 25. And then um, Lyndon, I'm going to ask you after Danny's finished reading Genesis 2, 18 through 25. Uh, Lyndon, I'm going to ask you to read Matthew 19, 1 through 9 for us after Danny's finished. So let's read those together. Okay. Um, <laughs> then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. All right, uh, Matthew uh, chapter 19, verse one to nine. Um, now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let, let not man separate. And they said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay, I'm not going to quite let you off the hook, okay? Lyndon and Danny, we're going to put all our premarital rookies on the spot here. It's all here. Everybody's watching. 
you get the right answer, you're moved to the front of the list. We get you married first via Zoom. If you get the wrong answer, you're in purgatory. No. Um, when we look at these texts, okay, let's, uh, Danny, Danny read for us Genesis 2, 18 through 25. So I'm going to, Danny, I'm going to put you on the spot. Genesis 2, 18 through 25. Okay. Uh, how do Adam and Eve meet? Um, the, the Lord, the Lord took out one of his Adam's ribs and formed Eve out of, out of his rib and led her to Adam. Okay. So good answer, Danny. You can get married next week if you want. Seize the opportunity right now. Kristen, you ready? <laughs> okay. So, so Adam didn't have eHarmony. No, he, no didn't, he didn't have a matchmaker. Was it courtship? Nope. Okay. No, no parents getting together. No filling out a form. They didn't go to the college ministry at uh, LBC, SJ, none of those things, right? It, the, the, Lord, the Lord did it. Whose work was this, Danny? These are such softballs. Making you look like a winner and a leader in front of, in front of you. <laughs> okay, the, the Lord, right? From beginning to end. You know, the Lord comes in. The Lord sees Adam. He sees his condition. He says it's not good for a man to be alone. He sees that there's not a companion fit for him, right? And then he provides a companion fit for him who is different but similar, okay, uh, but created to be together. And then he brings her to him, right? And then we're given that scripture afterwards. You know, it's for this reason, right? A man is going to leave his family. He's going to leave and cleave, and the two will be one flesh. And then we're told at the end, really, this beautiful, beautiful I mean, Genesis 2 is just remarkably beautiful. It's a world without sin. It's a relationship without sin. It's what it's supposed to be, one with the Lord and one with uh, one another. I mean, it's just, you could read it, you know, you know, endlessly. It is just remarkably, remarkably, remarkably beautiful, okay? Um, so let's go to Matthew 19, 1 through 9. We're in a different part of scripture. Sin has, as we've seen in Genesis 3, come into the world. Uh, and as a result of sin, there is this discussion among the elite, okay, about when can you get a ticket out of a marriage, all right? When is divorce acceptable? What are the legitimate reasons that you can be a self-respecting uh, synagogue member, uh, Jew, upstanding citizen, member in good standing, uh, and divorce your wife? And as you know, for some of those of you who have studied this text, you know that at that time, there was a whole spectrum of beliefs among the different rabbis, Hillel and Shammai, basically, as far as what was a legal basis to get rid of your wife, literally dismiss your wife, whether or not she burned the cooking and toasted the bacon too much, all right, all the way to only infidelity. But there's this whole spectrum. And they come to Jesus. It's, it's different. Okay, we're no longer in Genesis 2. Now we're talking about everybody. Well, that was Adam and Eve. Okay, that was Adam and Eve. I'm not saying this, but people say, well, that was a myth. That was those individuals. You don't expect, Pastor Mark, uh, for me to think my wife is perfectly fit for me now. Sins come into the world. All right. So now we're hearing from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Okay. Lyndon, you're on the spot here. Okay. You get the answer right. We may let you get married next week. Okay. We'll, we'll Zoom your parents in from Singapore and make it happen. Okay, you don't get the answer right. You got to go to remedial, premarital for the next 200 years. Okay, until you get the right answer. Matthew 19, 1 through 9. According to Jesus, okay, how do marriages happen? Uh, so in verses 1, to nine, 1 through 9, I would say that comes from verse 4 when Jesus answers the Pharisees. Yep. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female uh, and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So gen the, this origin starts from Genesis. Well, he, he goes back to Genesis. And who does Jesus point to as the one who's putting married couples together? Oh, this would be God in verse six. <laughs> so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Yeah. Yeah. What therefore God has joined together. 
let not man separate. So Jesus takes everybody right back to Genesis and says, first of all, in the beginning, have you not read? Then he goes on and says the quote at the end of Genesis 2 is actually from God. So it's God breathed and God written. We've got an amazing demonstration of the inspiration of scripture. God breathed from the mouth of God, even though this is written by Moses, right? And he takes us back and says, guess what? Not only does it still apply, Genesis has precedence, okay? What comes first sets the standard. He takes them back even later as they'll argue through Deuteronomy, okay? And later portions of the law, he takes them right back to the beginning. And then he comes and says, guess what? This still applies. And this is still the way that we need to understand. Have you not read? The reason you've got all these divorces, the reason these things are a mess, the reason you're quibbling over all of these different things, right? Reasons to dismiss someone and break up a marriage is you don't understand the heart of God. You don't understand the mind of God because you don't understand the word of God and God's intent and purpose for marriage. So Lyndon, let me hear you say it again, okay? Whose work? does Jesus point to as far as what marriage is and what marriage is to be? Uh, this would be God's work. Well, stop all your head, Linda. Good answer. Okay. You, you got the answer. No, absolutely. Okay. And so I'm belaboring this point. I know it sounds obvious, but very, very, very clearly before sin, after sin. All right. Marriage is entirely a work of God, that a married couple who come together, especially believers, okay, it's God who has joined them together. It is a work of God. And when they are separated, and when people are involved in those separations, legal or otherwise, okay, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. This is, this is entirely God's work. And then I would propose to you that believers participate in God's work by faith, okay? Now, I say that because I think if we're honest with ourselves, we don't think of marriage that way. We don't think of marriage as being for God. We don't tend to think of marriage being God's work. And we don't tend to think of marriage ultimately being about him, for him, by him, through him, and in him, that this is his work, that he's the one who has brought us together, and he's brought us together for his glory, because marriage belongs to the Lord, okay? Now, I know we sort of know that in principle, okay? Uh, but I would say functionally, the testimony very frequently, both for married couples and people who are single, is quite the opposite. Let me see if I can get to my next slide here. Okay. I'm going to propose to you that for most of us, what we actually think and how we live out and what we do, and if you're in the premarital track, I will um, send my slides to Cindy and she'll get them all for you. So you'll have your own copy of the slides. Okay. But essentially on the screen, I've got three columns. I've got a column for God. I've got a column for Christ, and I've got a column for the world, okay, with regards to marriage and family, the world's marriage and family, God's marriage and family, okay? I'm going to challenge you and say for most of us, and I say this myself included, how we frequently think and live out our relationships is much more like the world than it is as the Lord Jesus Christ thinks about it. And as we go through the world's view of things, okay, we see that marriage and family very frequently starts with my desires, my expectations, and my work. And I'll make my point by saying, you just ask anybody, typically if you're at a wedding or you're at an event or you gather together and there's a married couple or there's an engaged couple and you ask them, how did you get married? How did you meet? And you'll get a testimony. And that testimony very frequently is not unlike a testimony that we hear at baptisms or when people give their testimony of how they got saved. And most, not all, okay, most, but most kind of go, 
you know, I went to this church, you know, I was in this college group, you know, we were playing volleyball, you know, she spiked the ball, uh, I tripped over whatever, uh, I thought it was kind of nerdy, I thought she was kind of dorky in the beginning, uh, you know, I didn't take a whole lot of notice, this, that, and the other thing, and then, you know, poof, something happens, you know, there's a genie in the picture, there's sort of chemistry, something changed, and then he asked me out, and I still remember Kevin Owes. We, we went to Panera, right? Wasn't that the, uh, the place where the magic happened for study sessions at Panera? And uh, Alzheimer's hasn't set in quite yet, Evelyn. Anyways, and so, you know, and, and it goes through these, date, these dates and these moments where people met one another, things kind of grow, and, and then eventually someone asked someone to marry them. And, you know, sometimes at best, they can seem not unlike the script for a rom-com. Okay, I think if we're honest with ourselves, and this is me, Mark Chin and Julie included, okay? And if we do something that I love to do, okay? If you hang out with me, this is why people don't hang out with me and I'm lonely, okay? I'm not, actually my, my wife and my children fill my heart and my life. It's helpful to exegete what we say. It's helpful to go through and say, okay, what did I just say, okay? Who's the subject? Who's the verb and what's the object? Okay, subject, verb, and object, okay? This is uh, premarital for nerds, okay? And when we go through those, it's not uncommon as we listen to those stories of how we met our spouses or how things came together. It's not uncommon that I am the subject, okay? I do the verb, the action, I saw her here, she said this, and the object is my spouse, okay? Is that unfair? Have you heard similar things, okay? I, I'm gonna propose to you when you hear those things, it's not infrequent that God does not play very prominently in those stories. It's a movie in which the wide angle lens is focused on us and our spouses and how we got connected or how there was chemistry or how we, we connected with one another. And there's very, very little uh, appreciation, understanding, or awareness of where God fits in. When we go to Genesis chapter 2, when we go to Matthew 19, it's really the opposite way around. Is that a fair statement to say? That where Jesus uh, leans on and what he points to to provide this remedy at a time and a season where really women could get divorced and dumped out of a marriage for just being displeasing to their husband or just burning a pot or leaving food on the stove too long, okay? That was one segment of the argument, not the entirety, okay? For remedy for that, which is honestly not that far, quite frankly, from our world and quite frankly, our Christian community, because the same arguments come up in conservative evangelical circles. Is it legit for me to dispose of this marriage? Okay, I want out. And, and those things happen behind the scenes a lot more frequently uh, than we care to admit, okay? Um, Jesus, for the remedy, points us back to God's word, and he points us back to God's word where God's word shows that the remedy here is for God to be big in the story. That the story is about God, the story is about his work, and the object of his work is his glory. That marriage ultimately is for the Lord. And it is a huge corrective and it's a huge challenge to how we think, okay? And I, and I, I, I hope to show you it's so necessary if we're gonna say that marriage ultimately is for the Lord that it's really built not on us, but it's built on, on the Lord. That it's built on his desires, it's built on his work, it's built on his vision and purpose for marriage for his glory, because that's what's going to last. Ours are basically built on fallen desires and it's gonna fall apart. And so, you know, as we talk about that and say, okay, look, let's be honest about it. Many times how we think about marriage and our relationships is more about, more like the world than we care to admit. How does the world think about marriage? First of all, it says, this is my marriage. These are my friends. This is my house. This is my family. These things belong to me. 
And it comes up very frequently in church counseling when someone comes and wants to come and, and shepherd or there's a concern or something's raised, there can be boundaries, right? Even as we talk about serving in the church, people will draw those boundaries. Well, listen, it's my family. It's my marriage. We can't do this. In fact, one of the most frequent excuses that's given for not participating in the church is marriage and family. That becomes the respectable one that's legitimate. Work comes after that, okay? And as we look at that, we see, okay, the, the framework, the mindset so often is, this is about me. And when we look at the world's marriage and family, it starts with my desires, my expectations, my work. It's about me. And as we think about married couples as they get together, okay, and as we think about marriages and the conflicts and the disagreements that come up, this is at the heart of the issue, okay? Now, uh, Julie and I, when we got married, okay, Julie was, um, let's see, I'm looking at my time here. Julie was, uh, you know, grew up at a TMS church plant. And I uh, spent a lot of time at Grace Community Church. I worked in the pastoral care department. I was spending most of my extra time uh, working in the biblical counseling world or discipling young guys. And, uh, you know, we got married. Uh, we went through, um, you know, one of the pastoral care department uh, guys at Grace Community Church oversaw the premarital aspect. From the world's perspective, we should have had no problems easy peasy, right? I mean, what's there not to know? And yet during the first year of our marriage, uh, there were disagreements that Julie and I had where we couldn't see eye to eye for days. And we were still talking to one another. We were still working it out. We were still praying. But when I say we couldn't see eye to eye, we couldn't understand why we couldn't come to an agreement. Sometimes for two or three days. We just, and she would explain her side. I would explain my side. And we'd go around in circles. And at the end of that, okay, we didn't understand one another any better or understand the problem any better. But what we did see was we can't fix this. The best that we can do is, is, is figuratively get on our knees and pray and ask the Lord for mercy and grace to untie the knots in our lives. And we also saw that we needed help. That as much experience as Julie had in ministry, and Julie was doing ministry, women's ministry for the longest time, read all the books, all of those different things. You know, regardless, God had seen fit in his wisdom and his kindness and his goodness to us, and in part, I think it was to prepare us for ministry, to put things in our lives to bring it where we were spiritually blind and we were stuck. And we had to come to the conclusion that no amount of training, no amount of education, no amount of sophistication or church experience could cover the reality that we needed God's help. We needed God's grace and we needed God's truth and that we needed in humble dependence and prayer and looking to the local church for shepherds to help us. We needed Christ's help. Okay. And what gets exposed in marriage is, well, most of the disagreements that they come, they come because we bring into our marriages, our desires, our expectations and our works. Okay our confidence that we can fix things, our expectations of what we think a marriage should be, our desires for what we want from the wedding day onwards, okay? And inevitably, some of those things, our spouse or the people in our lives, our parents, they have different desires, they have different expectations, and they have different standards. And there ends up becoming a clash, okay? When we take a step further from the world, very frequently, when we look at the second level here, the love that exists very often that we talk about, it's an earthly or worldly love. People talk about chemistry in relationship. Peter talked today about a husband who walked out on his wife because he's just not feeling it anymore, okay? A lot of that, that we're talking about chemistry, a lot, I'm not saying all, a lot of that is quite simply the flesh. It's your fleshly desires, okay? And that is temporary and that's transient. Roles in marriage. What you'll see is very often our understanding of what our roles should be 
are very much influenced by our parents, what we grew up with, what we saw our parents, how our parents showed affection, how our parents communicated, what our parents did on family vacations, or what we don't want to do because our parents did that. No matter how you cut it, the families that we grew up in were significant influencers on our expectations of what our rules should be in marriage, our communication and how we should interact, okay? We don't see that or we don't get exposed until you start interacting with someone who's come from a slightly different community where the expectations, the communication, the love is expressed differently. And not uncommonly in those situations, each person's looking at the other person and saying, what's wrong with you? Because this is the way I show love. I get up early in the morning and I do the dishes or I make coffee. Or this is the way I show love. I write the checks. Or this is the way I love. I send flowers. Why don't you send me flowers? Okay. When we see all of those different things, and, and that's really the fuel of most of the rom-coms that are out there that make us laugh and comedies, it's really all about our expectations, our rules. It's really about our standards. Okay. And where does this all go? It's, it's basically all about my glory, my idols, my personal fulfillment. And when my idols aren't being met and when I'm not being fulfilled, there's a conflict where I walk out. Guys, that's, that's the story and the standard of this world, increasingly so. Okay. And, and Peter shared a story this morning. I, you know, Julie and I have stories like that of people in our lives too where the, the, the same thing has happened, where a spouse, and in, in my case, a, a dear friend, it was his wife who walked out on him and three children, okay? Uh, and what we see that goes on in many of these relationships is these relationships are driven by a barter relationship. It's a barter relationship. It's if you share common idols, that works out great. And then in the marriage relationship, you scratch my idol, I scratch your idol and everybody's good. Gals, you get to go out for your sister weekend and go to the spa or do whatever you're gonna do and hang out with the girls as long as I get a chance to go out in my sports nights and play basketball. And we trade it so that everybody gets a piece of the pie until someone seems to be getting more of the pie than the other person. And then there's a conflict or there's disappointment or discontent and it becomes a juggling act. And then it ends with, you know, people, quote unquote, growing apart. Okay. And, you know, brothers and sisters, that's the tragedy of the world. And I, I say this and emphasize this because if we're honest about it, yeah, that's the way, that's the end of the story. And we say it's never going to happen to us. But if we're honest about it, that's where many of us start. And that's why there's conflicts and that's why there's rubs. And actually God is so gracious many times to come in and bring disagreements and make things difficult and squeeze us from the outside and bring in hurts and disappointments to make us aware, you know what? I'm disappointed because my idol is not being fed. I'm, I'm being disappointed or I'm being hurt because I have expectations. I'm being disappointed because I can't uphold my kingdom, okay? And when we see that picture, it's just a huge, huge contrast when we go to the other side of the column, okay? That really where the Lord is taking us is he's taking us to a place where marriage is the gospel made visible. And what is the gospel? The gospel, is it my work for my salvation? No. Is it my choice and my decision? No. We, we know the definition, okay? The gospel is God's work of salvation, where God saves sinners through the sacrificial death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, okay? And where the Lord is taking us in our relationships is he's taking us from this side of the world's marriage and family, and he's taking us over to his marriage and family, all right? Where the love in our relationships and the love in our marriage is his love. Not a, a, a one of, okay, you make me feel this way, or things run smoothly, or you've taken such good care of me. It's a self-sacrifice and self-giving love, the way in which Christ loved the church, all right? It's one that's built on his word, his will, and his work. It's one which exists and says, hey, I've got the short end of the stick, but it doesn't matter because this honors and glorifies Christ. I'm willing to let go of my sports night 
because it's more important for you to have time with the sisters to pray and be in the word. I'm going to sacrifice this time so that my husband can lead and he's going to participate in the church and, and he might be away at Shepherd's Conference, but he's going to come back and his heart is going to be overflowing with Christ and it's going to be an encouragement in our family. It's a long-term investment because this marriage, it's not for me. It belongs to the Lord. It's meant to be the gospel made visible. And where the Lord is taking us ultimately in his blueprint for marriage is this, it's unity and holiness in Christ. That's it. That's what demonstrates to the world that this marriage is not of this world, that our marriages are different, where there's a purity and a devotion for Christ and a holiness and a set apart and a love that exists in this marriage that the world does not know or understand that's different. And that it is like a fountain of living waters that overflows that people drink from and they come and say, what is this about? What is this about? This is not what we have in our marriage. This is not what's seen in the world. This marriage is different. Why? It's because of Christ. Okay. I've listed in the center the three things that stand in the way from our relationships being the Lord's relationships. It's my sin and my flesh, the world, and Satan. Okay. My sin or my flesh, the world, and Satan. Those are the three things that are intent on destroying your relationship, that encourage you with deceitful lies to live for yourself, that the way you do things is right, the way your family does things is right, the way you expect things to be, that is correct, that you're neglected by your spouse, the things that come in and so discontent in a relationship and tear a marriage apart. And the sad thing, if we're honest about that is, to some degree, all of us have influence from all of those three areas especially in the area of relationships. The reason, okay, these things don't get exposed when we're single is we're living in our own kingdom. I live in my own house. I lived in my own house. I had my own TV. I had my own car. I showed up to church when I wanted to. Everything runs on me. It's not until God is so gracious to bring us into relationships with people who are different than ourselves, who we cannot run from, that what we start to see is... I'm a little more selfish and prideful than I really thought I was. Or there are areas in my life that are not sanctified that the Lord needs to rub a little bit and squeeze a little bit and show maybe I'm a little more influenced or in control than I care to admit. Okay. And what I'm trying to show by this is there's only one way in which our sinful lives get transformed into God's beautiful work. And that's where Christ comes into our lives. You may be saved. Guess what? If you're in a marriage, you still need Jesus and you need a lot of him. And the bridge between the two is repentance and faith in Christ. That the foundation of any marriage, if it's going to be Christ, is going to involve repentance of sin and saying there are areas in my life that need to go and only Christ can help me, I need him. And that's not true just for the first year of marriage or your premarital. That's true for the entirety of your marriage. This past week, Julie and I were able to take the kids to see snow. Okay, it's a big deal. You know, I'm Canadian. We grew up with more snow than we needed. Okay, but for my kids, it's like they haven't seen it. Okay, I think Kristen, you loaned us a sled years ago. Okay, we still have it in our garage. Other people, the Chans loaned us a sled. Okay, it's a big, big deal. So we go, you know, we drive up to Lake Tahoe, we spend a day sledding, we come home. Okay, I've been married now, what, 11 years, Ethan's eight, Joshua's nine. Okay, and we come through this and it's like, we, everybody's been looking forward to this opportunity to be together as a family, have a break from church, be out there, be sledding. Okay, and dad, that, that's me, is king crab and irritable as things get way out of control in different times and different moments. Okay. The Lord sees fit to bring in a few stressors on the trip and on the way up that make things, let's say difficult. Okay. He squeezes the sponge a little bit. All right. The boys are having a little bit of a hard time in, in the place that we're staying the first night. Okay. Through no fault of their own. And dad gets what? Impatient, irritable, and cranky as far as how things are going, especially when things get very, very loud in the hotel room at like 6.30 in the morning, okay? And it's like, guys, okay? Like, cut it out, can it, 
Okay, if you continue to holler and are really loud at 6 30 in the morning and all the other people in the hotel get up, we're going to have to leave. Okay, what's God doing there through that process? He's squeezing your senior pastor and he's showing and he's demonstrating, look, there's an area in my life where this is viewed as my kingdom where I should have control. And things should run the way I think they should. And my expectation is that things should be quiet in the hotel room until seven o'clock in the morning. Well, let me ask you this. Where in scripture does it say everybody has to be quiet in the hotel room until seven o'clock in the morning? Nowhere. Okay. And I think about what Stuart Scott reminded me of, that my children are there not for me to sanctify my children, because only the Holy Spirit can do that. They're there to sanctify me. Similarly, my spouse is in my marriage, not so I can fix my spouse. My spouse is in my marriage to grow me into the image of Christ, to be an instrument in the Redeemer's hands. And what's coming out and what's being exposed here is an area of my life that is my kingdom where I want control and I would like things to run smoothly and I would like things to be stress-free. And when people don't adhere to that, I'm crabby and irritable. That's called pride. That's called sin. That's called an expectation that doesn't come from Christ. That's based on how I was raised. I'm not blaming my parents. Okay. That's not their fault. Okay. But that's what I grew up with. And that's my normative standard. And I brought that into my family. And I brought that into the lives of my wife. And I brought that into the lives of my children. Praise God, the Lord makes it a little bit sleep deprived and a little bit difficult that he brings us to that point where we say, okay, at what point does this family start to become God's kingdom and not Mark's kingdom? At what point does this begin to glorify the Lord and not me? Oh, Pastor Mark, you have such well-behaved sons. They don't say a word until everybody's awake till 7.30 in the morning. No, it's me on my knees asking the Lord, forgive me for my pride. Teach me, Jesus, to be a better father. And coming to my wife and coming to my boys and saying, forgive your dad for being cranky and irritable. That's pride. And coming to my wife and saying, I need you to pray for me. This is an area I need to grow in. Praise God, you know. Our time together as a family was a little more stressful and a little less sleep than I'd hoped for, but highly profitable in the Lord, okay? Coming to the end of my time, I apologize. I've taken too much time. I just want to say this. Look, Satan has a vested interest in breaking up every marriage in this church, and he does it by making you focus on your work, your desires, your love, your expectation, your idols. But Christ makes the difference. And the key to every marriage is that Christ would be the leader and the cornerstone of your marriage. And if he's going to be the leader and cornerstone of your marriage, then repentance and faith is going to be part of your life till Jesus comes again. I'm going to say here endeth the lesson. I want to make one word as far as I had promised that we would talk about singles, okay? Guys, it's no different for singles. It's no different for singles. It's not like suddenly you get engaged and suddenly you become super holy and everything becomes good. What a man sows, he reaps. The things that you do as a single person, it's either going to cultivate the flesh or it's going to walk in the spirit. It's either going to draw you nearer to Christ or it's going to draw you nearer to the world. And it's not like putting a ring on someone's finger and saying, I do, makes all your sexual lust problems go away. It makes you somehow holier than others. What's happened in the church is the church has swung from one extreme to the other. At different times, they said, if you're single, that's the elite status, i.e. the Catholic priest. You're special. It's a special gift from God. And then it swings over to the other side with, if you're single, you're cursed. And the real elite status is when you get married and you join that special club. And suddenly you're married and you have a family and now you're somebody in the local church. We're not going to consider you to become an elder or deacon or any of these good things until you get married. Okay, the church has swung from both sides. But as you go and you read Matthew 19 and Matthew 22, Matthew 22 is especially interesting. 
Danny, I'm going to get you to read Matthew 22:30. I'm going to try and tie up with this. Uh, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Okay, Danny, million dollar question. Marriage is on the line. Not really, okay? What happens in the resurrection? Uh, no one is married. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, all you need to do, Danny, is read the scripture and stick with that, man. And if you read yeah. the scripture, you're safe, right? They are not given okay. in marriage. Okay, so you've got these guys who are coming and trying to mess with Jesus again. And Jesus comes back, and, and it's a beautiful passage. You should really read it. Uh, and he goes out how they really don't know God or the power of God or his word. And he points out, you know, guess what? Our marriages are temporary. They're God's tool and instrument for the gospel to be made visible while we're here on earth. But when we're raised in heaven and the resurrection happens, we're going to be like angels. Our fellowship is with the Lord. The church is going to be Christ's bride. The church is eternal, brothers and sisters. Our marriage is temporal. Okay. It is for this time and season. Now, after Jesus, the most important person needs to be your spouse. That's very clear. Genesis 2, Matthew 19. Okay? And you need to honor that person in that way. Absolutely. Okay? But we also have to understand that singles are not second-class citizens. And Jesus makes that point in Matthew 19, that for some, the gift of singleness is given where the kingdom of heaven is the pearl of great price and the greatest treasure of all. And we need to put things in perspective. And so we see the same issues and same concerns as far as single saints. Single saints, Christ needs to be your cornerstone. Faith and repentance needs to be your life. And your relationships in the church need to be a work of God and not a work of man. One of the most comforting things in my marriage in good times and in bad times, have been when Julie and I have been able to say, whether we're having a good day or we're having a bad day, whether we're seeing eye to eye or whether the kids are behaving well, we know at the end of the day that God, before the foundation of time, set apart Julie as my perfect spouse, not without sin, but the one who was set apart to be my perfect helper. And God set me apart to be her perfect leader, not that I'm a perfect leader without sin, but that it's God's work that we're here together. And we put our heads on the pillow knowing ups and downs, good days, bad days. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, God's got this covered. Doesn't mean I feel great. Doesn't mean I'm a spectacular person. Doesn't mean I don't need to repent and, and shun sin. But at the end of the day, this is God's work, not my work. And I can trust that the Lord is going to do what he needs to do in our life and our marriage because it's built not on me and not on biblical counseling and not on my TMS experience. It's built on Christ. Okay. So let me just say here endeth the lesson. Let me go to the chat room and see. Oh, stunning. I've taught you so well. There are absolutely no questions. Okay. So. We'll give two minutes or so, and, and then I will let you go. I, I will end with that fabulous, fabulous statement and story that I repeat over and over again when uh, a young lady at a biblical counseling conference told me that their first year was more or less conflict-free, and she believed the reason for that was because they had such good biblical counseling. So um, because this is entirely a work of the Lord and not of man, and because that's what I hope your marriages and your relationships are going to be, okay? Uh, I have no expectations that you have a year free of conflict or disagreement based on this. Okay, if there are no questions, um, I'm going to ask Kevin Ao if you would be so kind as to close in prayer. I'm going to dismiss everybody except those who are going through the premarital track 
And I'm gonna ask you if you would stick around, we're gonna spend a few minutes going through um, premarital expectations, hopefully that come from Jesus and not from your senior pastor. All right, thanks, Pastor Mark. Let's uh, close our time in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. And we thank you for the reminder today that uh, our lives and our marriages are not about us, our expectations, our desires, and what we want, um, Lord, but they're ultimately about what you want because you are the creator of marriage. You're the creator of these things, Lord. And we uh, have a good reminder today that these things are for you. And when we run to problems, when we run to issues in our marriages, Lord, um, they they're meant to sanctify us. They're meant to grow us. They're meant to conform us into Christ-likeness. So we thank you for those things. And I just pray uh, for all the couples that uh, are, are going to be going through this premarital curriculum, Lord, that you would grow each of them uh, and you would grow each of them together. For those of us who are married, I pray that you would continue to reinforce these lessons for us. And for those of us who are single, Lord, I pray that we would continue to just pursue Christ-likeness um, in all that we do. So thank you, Father, for these good lessons. And I pray for the rest of this day. May it be for you and for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.